Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Cadence Podcast. This is the season finale of season one for Cadence Podcast, and I just thought it would be good for me to kind of put a face to the podcast and a voice to the podcast and talk about my personal album that I would choose as the one that kind of impacted me most um, in, in my love for music. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jonathan Wade. I am a second year creative communication student. And, you know, for me, the album that has impacted me the most in my life is, without a doubt, The Wall by Pink Floyd. So yeah, thought you might like to go to the show To feel the warm thrill of confusion and space cadet glow Um, I know it's a very popular album. It's not exactly um, the most obscure album to choose as one that impacted you most. But for me, it's just it's really opened up my eyes to music as an art form and as a storytelling method. Um, I had never really listened to albums before, especially when I was younger. Um, it was just kind of whatever was on, you know, it was on the radio or whatever my dad would play in his car. Um, a lot of it was Pink Floyd type music. So I certainly knew a lot of these songs like Another Brick in the Wall, Part 2, um, Run Like Hell. You know, I knew a lot of these songs, but I never heard, I hadn't really even grasped the concept of what an album could be. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll go back. I think it was about 2012. And for my birthday, my dad actually got me tickets to uh, uh, Roger Waters, who's uh, the bassist and one of the lead singers of Pink Floyd. He was doing a wall tour. So when The Wall first came out in 1980, they, you know, Pink Floyd did a tour for The Wall, and it was this huge rock opera where it basically encapsulated the story of The Wall in a musical experience. So um, David Gilmore, who's the guitarist and other lead singer of Pink Floyd, um, you know, after it was actually shortly after The Wall, uh, they started having some, you know, big tensions, and they ended up breaking up. So, um, this this new wall tour, which I believe started in 2011, uh, Roger Waters went out on a on a worldwide tour for this album, and he he, re, he did it again in track order, basically replicating what they did in 1980. So I didn't know all of this going into that experience. You know, again, I knew the I I known some of these songs, but I didn't realize what the wall really was as a piece of music because I didn't I didn't really. I didn't really like music like that. I didn't like this. I didn't. I didn't understand the stories that could really be told. So, um, when we went to Toronto, my dad and I, um, I, I was in high school. I believe it was grade eleven or grade twelve when we went to see this concert experience, and it just blew my mind. Especially not really understanding what the album was about going into it, I was just blown away. And then, you know, he ended up coming back years later when I, I had, at this point, I had known the album Inside Out. And it was just like, it was really cool to see that experience again uh, when he came to Winnipeg uh, for a couple shows a few years ago. Um, but after leaving that show, I was just like, I have to know, like, what does this mean? Like, I just, I still didn't understand what it meant, you know, and The Wall is such an interesting album because it is a double album, but each uh, side of the album so you know there's disc one disc two or if you go back to vinyl there's you know the it's a double lp um i didn't realize that each each side really had its own story to tell so on the first side you know it's really about him you know roger this is basically a memoir of roger waters life you know it's not word it's not word for word exactly what happens but you know side one is him putting up these metaphorical bricks into his wall so you know, each song, there's another brick in the wall, part one, part two, part three, 
um, part one is really um, his dad, you know, died in World War II, and that really affected him as, you know, a child. You know, your dad goes away to war, and then he, you know, he never comes home. So that's one, you know, metaphorical brick into this wall. Um, and then there was another book on the wall, part two, which is all about, you know, his oppressive education system when he was younger and dealing with these really strict teachers. So that's another, you know, metaphorical brick in this wall. Um, and then part three is, you know, all about his, uh, his drug use and, um, you know, not needing, it's all about closing himself off from the world. You know, Roger Waters had said that he was inspired to make the wall because he, um, he was, he was performing, I forget what tour it would have been, probably Animals. It was right before The Wall came out. And he was performing in Montreal. And on stage, he just got so fed up. Like, he felt like there was this wall between him and the audience. And he couldn't connect emotionally. And this fan in the front row was being rowdy and kind of annoying to him. And he spit on him. Roger Waters spit on the guy. And this kind of made him realize, like, whoa, you know, he had to stay, take a step back and really think about why he feels this way and why he feels like he can't connect to people. Um, so sorry, I kind of got ahead of myself. So after I, after I saw this concert in Toronto, I just was obsessed. I'm like, I have to know everything behind this album. So I listened to it religiously, um, trying to piece together everything. And I had then watched the the movie as well. And that was an excellent, you know, it was an excellent way to visualize what was happening. Um, but yeah, this album is just so incredible to me. And this is the first time I really understood a concept album where you can literally tell a story you can have a story with a beginning middle and end in this piece of music so what this album did for me is it made me analyze music in that sense where I'm not a musician I used to play drums when I was younger and I definitely have that sense of rhythm but I'm not I don't I don't get hooked by music the same way other people would get hooked by music I would I think a lot of musicians can get hooked by music based on the music itself you know the chord progressions and the the drum fills the bass the bass lines the, the the singing itself you know how good of a singer you are you know it all kind of depend on what instrument you play on what hooks you the most but for me after hearing this album you know I was never obviously music I want to listen to music that I enjoy listening to so if you have a, a, a an album that has incredible you know storytelling and lyrics but the music itself doesn't really hold up you know you're not going to enjoy it as much it does have to have that balance but for me I can take away some musical flaws and some songs that I don't necessarily love musically and input that with stories and I would still, you know, I would still love it the most. You know, if I'm going to say, is The Wall my favorite musical album of all time? Maybe not. But in terms of story, it is. It's just such a brilliant piece of art. And again, after seeing this show and really getting obsessed with this album um, for a number of years, I really came to came to see that. And, you know, I can kind of go a little bit track by track here and just really piece together what's happening. You know, the second part of the album is a little more convoluted, um, but the first side and and seeing it visually on stage was really interesting because I was able to, you know, visualize exactly what's happening in the storyline. And I was able to when I was going through the album after the after the concert, I was able to remember this. Oh, this part was this song. This part was this song. So, um, you know, it's interesting because there's In the Flesh with a question mark is the first song and then it's kind of In the Flesh part two. And they both, they're almost kind of like um, interludes. So In the Flesh, I don't really see as the start of the narrative of the album. It's more kind of you're setting the stage. You know, the first lyric is so you thought you wanted to go to the show. So it's all, it's kind of setting the stage of like things aren't as they seem. So 
the, th- the Thin Ice, which is the second song, literally starts with um, a baby crying. And it's literally Roger Waters. It's it's the birthing of, like, Roger Waters is now a newborn baby. And it's so the album really starts off with him coming into this world. And, um, you know, his dad's off to war. So, you know, the song is, you know, it starts off really, you know, it's kind of his mom singing to him. And it starts off, you know, nice and soft. And then it kind of comes crashing down and his dad's, you know, in the war. And another brick in the wall part one is what it goes into next. And now he's starting to build up this wall, this this wall that he's closing himself off from the rest of the world with. So another brick in the wall part one is this this really eerie, creepy tune, and it it's just so atmospheric. And this song is you know it's all about his Roger kind of being resentful towards his dad. You know his dad went off to war and he died when Roger was young, and he never really had a relationship with him. I don't even know if he ever met him. I don't really know the timeline, but his dad died when Roger was very young. So Another Brick in the Wall is a very resentful kind of song, and that, that, that was a part in this wall. You know, He was able to look back and be like, that affected me so much as a child that it, that it impacts me as an adult now. And then it goes into you know the happiest days of our lives and then Another Brick in the Wall Part Two, which is the famous We Don't Need No Education, and, um, you know, I remember as a kid being in, in middle school, I'm like, yeah, we don't need no education. Um, I didn't really realize the grander scope of it. Um, so another brick in the wall part two is, yeah, again, it's really just he's putting up another brick into this wall. And it's all about the oppressive education system in Britain when he was younger and all the strict teachers who never really understood him. And in the movie, it's really interesting. He's writing, you know, this this uh, quote unquote Roger Waters character is writing poems in class and the teacher is all mad he's like oh poems poems just kind of beating down the arts you know beating down these art forms and it's he's kind of explaining how um you know our education system and especially in the 80s might not recognize arts as much as they should and create creativity so another brick in the wall part two and that's you know an an excellent musical song obviously that's really stood the test of time you don't really need the context of everything to enjoy the song Um, but that's just an interesting another level of of putting these bricks in the wall and then it goes right into Mother, and, you know, Mother is an excellent song that, it's it's not another brick in the wall, but it is. Like, all these songs on the first side are kind of bricks in the wall. Um, so, you know, Mother is all about his, um, you know, overprotective mother growing up, and he's, you know, his mother loved him, but he kind of felt like she didn't really let him fly a lot of the times. And so this song is just kind of another brick into this wall of him closing himself off. Um, and then it kind of goes, you know, it goes into Goodbye Blue Sky, which I believe is just kind of more war imagery and um, kind of going back to his dad. Um, Empty Spaces and Young Lust, really the, these next four songs are kind of all relationship bases. Empty Spaces, Young Lust, One of My Turns, and Don't Leave Me Now. Um, and those four are really all about him getting into this relationship with someone that maybe he feels like he can't really uh, connect with. And and then you know he kind of can he kind of gets violent and oppressive and don't leave me now or he kind of lashes out you know and um, I think I think in the in the story the wife the wife or the girlfriend um, might have cheated on him and in this song he kind of lashes out and he's just and he's he's very vulnerable and he's saying don't leave me now but he's angry but he's still sad about the whole situation so you know there's this tumultuous relationship so up to this point now we've had his dad dying in the war. We've had the oppressive education system when he was younger, his overprotective mother, and then his wife, girlfriend, who, you know, either cheated on him or it's just kind of a relationship that's not working and he's, you know, he's affected by it. Um, so then that all leads up to another brick in the wall, part three, which is kind of the, it's the second last song on the the first side, but it's kind of the big, the big climax of the first side. So he's now put up this last 
um, brick in his wall, which again, I think is kind of his wife's infidelity or just this relationship. That's kind of the last, this is the last straw for him. So he's put up this whole, this whole wall around him now. Um, you know, in the, in the album, his, the, the, um, the main the protagonist is named Pink, but Pink really is again, kind of a metaphor for Roger Waters himself. Um, so another book in the wall part three, he now has isolated himself from the world. Really. He has this wall all around him and he can't, he can't connect with people anymore because he can't, you know, he can't connect to the outside world. He now has locked himself, um, you know, in this brick wall and this, in this mental wall. Um, again, in the album, I think it kind of, and in the movie, it, it kind of represents as a hotel room. Um, but you know, in, in the grand scope, it's kind of like now he's, he's, he's closed off. So the first side is pretty literal. You can kind of follow it, um, easily. Um, it's really all just about him putting up this wall and closing himself off from the rest of the world. And part two is really where it starts to get a little more confusing. And now he's, he's, he's put up this wall and now, you know, Hey, Hey, you is probably my favorite song on this whole, um, this whole album. I, I don't know why I just, I've loved this song since the first moment I heard it. So when I saw this in concert, which was really cool is now, you know, he puts up the wall and then he has the last brick on the wall and he's kind of singing where you can just see his face. And then as the, um, as that song ends, the brick goes into the wall. So now there's just a wall and then it goes into an intermission. And then the second part of the album and, um, seeing it in concert, they're actually, Hey, you was performed all behind the wall. So you can't even see the band. It's just, you just hear the music. And then there's obviously, you know, projections on the wall and stuff to make it more engaging for the audience. But um, it was really interesting to see this visual representation of this wall. So Hey You is, you know, he kind of, you know, now he's finished the wall and now Pink or Roger is starting to wonder if it's kind of, you know, too late. Is it too little too late? You know, has he made the right decision from completely isolating himself from the world? You know, is he's kind of second guessing it? Um, it's just such a brilliant song. It's just, it just musically is so good. Um, and then it goes into, um, is there anybody out there, which is now him realizing his loneliness and his isolation where he's now put this huge, um, massive wall in front of him and he kind of has this, uh, he kind of sees the the consequences of his kind of self-imposed reclusion of, um, of, of putting himself behind there. It's kind of like, Hey you, but now it's like, you know, you can kind of feel some regret. Um, nobody home is another one. That's probably my, another one of my favorites from the album. So in the, um, in the concert, basically how this worked is there would be a part of the wall kind of folded down. And then you see Roger sitting there in this hotel room and he's, you know, he's, he's just kind of singing to himself and, you know, it, it shows, there's a lot of things that are just kind of within his grasp that he can just kind of grab, you know, like a got a toothbrush with a comb in. Um, and that's kind of all he has now. And this is kind of his own personal freedom now inside this hotel room or behind this wall um, where it just shows that he's he's really isolated himself. Um, and then, you know, it goes into Vera. And, and Vera is a song about Vera Lynn who she sang um, to soldiers in World War One, and she was kind of... Um, she was an American singer um, or a British singer, but um, that would get broadcast to the troops. And, you know, We'll Meet Again is one of the most famous, you know, that's her kind of her big song. And this song alludes to that song. Um, so he's just, he's still just kind of drifting from reality. Not all these songs on the second side I see as totally connecting to the story. These are kind of some personal 
feelings, I think, about war. You know, Roger Waters, another thing you have to remember is he's very political. Even on to his, his newest full-length album, he talks a lot about Trump and the state, the current state of things. Um, so this, you know, this goes Vera and then bring the boys back home. And bring the boys back home is, um, it's, it's just a war. It's a, basically an anthem of just, um, you know, after his father dying in the war, it's just showing that war is, war is nonsense and just bring them home. Kind of like the sentiment in... Um, um, you know, with Vietnam, with all the protests that was going on, it's just, you know, it's useless to just bring the boys back home. So that song is just this grand kind of anti-war statement, really. I don't see it really fitting in as much into the story of the album, besides the fact that his his father died in the war. Comfortably Numb is obviously a massive Pink Floyd song. Um, part of that is, you know, with the David Gilmour guitar solo. But now it's really, <clears throat> he's in this hotel room and, you know, a doctor's injecting him with a drug that'll kind of snap him out of his drug-induced state. Um, to show that he'll, you know, that to, uh, it wants to ensure that he can still perform at the concert later that evening. And um, he had actually, Roger, as I'd seen an interview where Roger Waters kind of wrote the lyrics. He, he was inspired by an experience where he actually was injected with tranquilizers before, uh, I think it was a concert, again, the tour before the wall, so probably like 77 or 78. Um, and he was saying how, you know, that was the longest two hours of his life where he can barely lift his arm. And this was just kind of numbing pain you know he he really just needed something to numb these feelings so you know in the context of the album it's it's just that it's now he's turning to drugs to kind of um to help him get through these these times in his life um so then the next song is show must go on which is just kind of that where you know he has all these drugs in his body and he's and he's just reeling right you know he's he's struggling with all these things he has this emotional wall around him and he still has to have the show go on and I think this does relate a lot to how he was feeling in those times of um you know before that Montreal concert where he's he just feels so disconnected from the rest of his audience and the rest of the world where now he has to turn to drugs and, and all these different things just in order to make himself emotionally available. Um, and then it goes into the, in, in the flesh part two, which this, this feels more fit into the album where in the flesh, the, the first part kind of just seems like a, okay, like this is almost like a warning kind of thing. Whereas in the flesh part two, really it, it always, he, this character Pink starts getting into this like fascist dictator role and it gets pretty crazy, but it's very cool. And in the movie, it just, everything takes a turn. That's why I'm saying like the second part of this album is a lot more, I think, open to interpretation. So the way I kind of see this is it really turns this concert into like a rally and, you know, in the flesh um, is now it's not before it was spelt with a question mark, but now it's not. So now it's kind of like, yes, this is certainty. So he really just spirals into um, insanity, honestly, on this on this song, and especially seeing it in tour um, or on concert, um, he kind of imagines himself performing at this concert as a you know fascist dictator, and he's trying to get allegiance for his, um, you know, for his uh, his audience. He's trying to get them to all rally around him, and that's really like a lot of World War II imagery, obviously, with Nazi Germany. That's you know that's a huge that's a huge part of this imagery. Um, and then the next song is Run Like Hell, where now this dictator is, he feels you know, he's now taking control and he's threatening with physical violence now to anyone who steps out of his, his you know, um, authoritarian um, line. And, you know, in, in he's now really just taken on this dictator persona. Interesting about this song, though, is, yeah, the lyrics are pretty, um, um, pretty intense, 
but the song itself sounds kind of up like it's very weird it's a very like anthemic um song so it just feels like it's just trying to get these people to rally around these you know these feelings and then waiting for the worms is the next one sorry waiting for the worms is the next song and this goes even more into he's just delving into this role so um you know he's now he's real you know he's he's has these wars within himself as this insane dictator and um you know he turn he realizes that he's kind of turning into the force that killed his father you know his his father died from you know these fascist dictators and he's starting to i think realize in this song that it's like i'm becoming what put these bricks in the wall in the first place so that's a really interesting song and then as the song culminates in this big climax the next song stop is like 30 seconds and it, the song starts to just stop and then he realizes kind of what he's doing so you know the song the lyrics of the song are literally stop i want to go home take off this uniform and leave the show but i'm waiting in this cell because i have to know have i been guilty all this time so he realizes how delusional he's gotten with this figure and now he's starting to figure out you know if he's kind of responsible for this mental state and can he get himself out of it and honestly this is oddly enough the next song the trial is easily one of my favorite songs on this album because it's so creative where he's putting himself on trial a literal trial for what he's done and becoming this huge kind of dictator. And it's so interesting because he pieces everything together. So, you know, it's it's a trial. So he has, he has all these different characters of his life, which he's used in the wall, like his mother, like his oppressive teachers, like his girlfriend or his wife. And they all kind of give their own testimonies to him. And they're all basically just saying he's guilty. And he, he has to... Um, you know, he has to atone for his sins here. So at the end, there's a there's a judge and this judge kind of goes off on this big verse and he's saying, yeah, he's like, you are so, you know, you're super guilty and you deserve full penalty of law. You know, you made your wife suffer, you suffer, you made your mother suffer and, you know, your teachers. So, you know, the last line of this song is, since my friend, you, you have revealed your deepest fear, I sentence you to be exposed before your peers. And then they say, tear down the wall. So the judge is basically saying, your punishment for this is you have to tear down this wall. So you have to tear down the wall between um, this this wall that you've put up. And obviously there's the allusions to the Berlin Wall, which is just, you know, again, Roger is very political and anti-war, so he's obviously going to use that. Um, so seeing that in concert was amazing because then they literally tear down the wall and the wall comes down. And the last song is very, it's called Outside the Wall and it's it's very soft and heartfelt and it just kind of shows, you know, the quote-unquote moral of the story is that there's, um, you know, there's almost always going to be personal and social barriers that come out of fear and pain and isolation. And I just think that every, this is kind of my take, I don't know if this is the right take, but I, I see it as that. And then it's just kind of the, up to everybody individually to, and and I guess communal on a community level as well, to be socially conscious and tear down the walls that kind of separate us and and hold us back um and then a really interesting part that i kind of realized much later is at the very end of this song you can hear a very faint very faint that just says isn't this where it's very faint you have to have headphones on it's um so that's the last kind of line of the song it's kind of like what does that mean and then on the first song if you go back to the beginning of the album in the flesh with the question mark again if you hear it if you have headphones and you listen very closely it says where we came in so at the end of Outside the Wall, it's isn't this where, 
and then the beginning of the album it says where we came in so it's almost kind of like you know the end of this album is very inspirational and it's like yeah he you know he beat it it's kind of like one of those movies where it's like you at the end it's like in, at the end of inception where it's like is it a dream is it not so in the flesh kind of shows that it's almost this cycle so at the very beginning of the first song it's we came in question mark and then at the very end of the last song it says isn't this where so it's kind of connecting the whole story in this arc of you might tear down a wall and then another one might come up, unfortunately. So it's not the super happy ending like you might hope for. Um, yeah, so sorry, I kind of indulged this whole thing. I just think it's important for you kind of as the listener to understand why this means so much to me. This blew my mind as, as, a, as a kid and not even as a kid, as, a, as an adult. I was in high school, you know. I was almost 18 and to hear this album and to and not only the I loved the music but just seeing what albums can do blew my mind like just seeing this and the story and how each side kind of has its own story it's amazing and I know this is a widely popular album and I'm not I'm not trying to be like oh have you guys heard this new Pink Floyd album like yeah I know a lot of people have heard this album but what it did for me is it opened up so much to my musical listening experiences. And, you know, every time I listen to an album now, I listen to it differently because of this album. Um, I know there's, you know, there's a lot of albums that is just, you know, it's for musical. I'm not expecting every album to be this succinct and cohesive and to have this kind of grandiose story. Obviously, I'm not expecting that. I think that's unfair to expect because that's that's just not what it is. And if every album was like that, it would get a little overblown because sometimes you just want to put on an album as good background music. And that's nice with this album where you can do that. You can have this album playing and you don't necessarily have to pay attention to the story because the music is so good. Um, But it's just changed the way I listen to music, you know, and there's been so many albums since then that have kind of inspired me. Like another one that I considered talking about is Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a a Butterfly, where the story, again, is just so amazing. And it's just such an incredible tale. Um, But I really wanted to stick with this one because this is the one that... um, really just put me on to listening like this I would I'm if I didn't hear this album I would probably still just be listening to music like I did before where it was just kind of throw it on and I was very single based like it was just whatever was popular whatever was um whatever popular singles were out there I would listen to but I would never listen to an album before because I just I didn't understand the type of social um moments you can make with this and the type of social statements that's the word I'm looking for social statements you can you can make with an album like this and yeah it just it blew my mind from the moment I heard it and I again I've never ever listened to music the same again like this another thing that it did for me is it opened my eyes and ears to more genres of music um up until now when I first heard The Wall it was pretty much just classic rock and, you know, it was whatever my dad was playing and it was Bowie and the Stones and the Beatles. And I still love all of those bands and artists, but it opened my ears to listen to things more in my generation. Because, again, I was I was always just led to believe that anything post 2000 or even like post 90s was just kind of crap and there wasn't really anything there. Um, but there is a lot here. There's a lot here. Just like, you know, every generation has good and bad music and. Um, you just kind of have to explore and in this digital age where anything is accessible you can listen to anything whenever you want there is an oversaturation of the market and it's just important to sift through that and find things that you like and that you connect with 
and you know there will never be another Beatles but that is not because there isn't a band as talented or an artist or a rapper or whoever that does not mean that there isn't a band or group as talented as the Beatles it's just in this new age you will just never have anybody that popular again if you look at even someone like Justin Bieber or whoever else obviously they're par- they're very popular on a global level but I think a lot of that has to do with their presence online social media Justin Bieber came big through YouTube you know through a digital platform so you're never going to have another Beatles or um, Stones or Pink Floyd for that matter but again that's not because there aren't creative and talented acts out there it's just because with this oversaturation you're just never going to have anybody that big again Um, I'm kind of rambling here a little bit, but the wall just, it means a lot to me because it changed the way I listen to music and it opened my eyes and ears to new genres like hip hop, where I realized that storytelling is the biggest part of hip hop. You know, I know there's production and there's rapping technical abilities, but again, I don't connect with that because I'm not a rapper. I didn't grow up in, you know, a difficult situation like a lot of these rappers did and they're talking about their experiences, but it just connects with me on this storytelling. It feels like I'm watching a movie or reading a book. And it's incredible how music can do that and kind of trans transport you to these different times in your life. And every time I listen to The Wall, I remember that tour. And I remember going to Toronto with my dad and seeing this live and it blowing my mind. And forever, forever, this will be my favorite concert I've ever seen. I've seen some great acts, some great bands with some very creative shows. But I will never, ever witness another Wall experience like I did there. And if Roger Waters ever goes on tour again, I know. If he doesn't come to Winnipeg, I'm going to travel to go see it in a heartbeat. So... You know, that was that was a long ramble. I just thought it was important for me to talk about the story of the album in terms of why it connects to me and why I find it amazing. So I just to go through track by track was just my way of kind of explaining why this is so important to me. Um, I really just want to thank everybody for tuning into season one of Cadence this year. And, you know, I hope to keep it going in the future. We'll see. I'm definitely going to take some time right now as I'm just kind of graduating and getting out into the real world. So I'm definitely going to take some time right now and figure that out but I would like to come back to this at some point hopefully in the future but you know if you I would appreciate it if you continue to follow the Cadence Podcast social media pages you know at Cadence Podcast on Instagram and you can follow us on or like us on Facebook and I I will hopefully be back shortly but for right now this is kind of my my focus but I'm Jonathan Wade and I just wanted to use this as an opportunity for me to talk about what album impacted me the most because you've been hearing me ask other people all year and I just think it's important to put a a face a voice to this podcast and that's me so The Wall Pink Floyd amazing album their run of Dark Side of the Moon Wish You Were Here Animals and The Wall or In The Wall was probably the best album run of, of history in my mind so if you haven't heard it I recommend you go check it out you can maybe use this as a guide while you're listening to track by track and hopefully pick up some some things that you might not have noticed. But I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who's tuned in this year. I really, really appreciate it. You've really helped make this project and this podcast a success. I want to thank all my guests for the whole year. Again, you've really helped me through your sharing, through just coming on and hearing about other people's experiences with music has just opened my ears and my eyes to so much. And I kind of assumed everybody's album would have um, influence them musically if if I had musicians on but that wasn't always the case you know there's a lot of people who saw things live like me with the wall and was impacted that way so again thank you all for listening so much and yeah I hope you just have a great summer and I'll see you soon I'll be back thank you so much